This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Mark and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of the show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There is no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as the sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with the obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having that first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose our control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up that first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted their life could be fun with alcohol. Fortunately, those people report their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. Their 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest, so, yeah, we're on a Zoom call. Um, Jeanette is in the Waikato, and we're here in Christchurch. 
Would I guess you'd like to introduce themselves and give us a quick sketch of who you are, age, how long you've been sober, occupation? Hi, my name's Janet and I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is 1 April 2003, so I celebrated my 20th sober birthday this year. I live in the Waikato, I work at the local university, I am... Um, I grew up in small town New Zealand in a large Catholic family. Um, I had my first drink when I was 12 that I remember, although I think my um, my granddad used to sit me on his knee and let me um, smoke his pipe and maybe sip on his whiskey when I was a child. So, um, yeah. yeah. Tell us about your family and how was your childhood? I am the third of seven children. My parents, um, you know, moved moved away from their family. At the time they got married, about an hour away, and I got raised in Nui in the central king country. Um, when I was growing up, my mum my stayed home and took in sort of sewing and my dad went to work in a stock and station agents where he worked in the merchandise department. Um, they were real, really active in the Catholic community in that small town. And probably until I went to high school, most of the people that were in our kind of circle, um, social circle, were Catholics. I um, I went to a Catholic primary school. I've got two older sisters, two younger brothers, and two younger sisters. Um, I don't like when when I was growing up. My sister um, was suspected of having polio. She was about <clears throat> three and a half, maybe, and so she spent six months in hospital. And so my parents, um, my granddad gave my mum and dad a car and my parents were visiting the hospital mum during the day and dad in the evenings. Um, good Catholics, we are um, exactly 18 months apart. So I was probably about, I don't know, six to 12 months old, maybe 18 months old. And then my sister was three and then my older sister was four and a half and then there was a new baby. And so... I suppose when I look back, I think that, you know, I was, um, by the time I was about three, three and a half, whenever anybody pulled up at our house, I would pack a suitcase and go and sit in their car because I wanted to go home with them. And, you know, I think that that somehow I never felt like I fitted in my family. Um, we were of Irish descent. My dad had had red hair. My siblings mostly had blue eyes and blondie or brownie hair, and I had green eyes and black hair. My siblings used to tease me that I was adopted. I'm definitely the most sensitive out of all of us seven children. I think um, my dad was adopted and spent a couple of years in his early life in an orphanage, and all he ever wanted to do was get married and have six daughters. Okay. Go figure. Yeah. So could you tell us when you first had a drink um, and how it progressed and became a problem for you? The first time I, that I remember having a drink, I was 12 and we'd gone to my uncle's wedding and I um, was sneaking alcohol and like, uh, you know, I was, I loved it. I um, And then my mother said, come on, I'm taking you kids home. 
but my two older sisters were allowed to stay. And like my mother was a, she was the matriarch of our family and she was pretty quick and pretty swift with giving you a, you know, and she, what she said she meant and there was no nonsense about it. And I, so, but I'd had enough to drink that night to um to not care. So I didn't want to go home. I had a tantrum about not wanting to go home. We got home and I went to my bedroom and I slammed the door and I called her all the names under the sun. And I am, um, and you know, I was really cross that she had stopped me from having this. I was having an amazing time. And um, and I felt like I fitted, you know, and I ended up getting um getting a whack that night. And um, but you know, it, I knew, and the next day I felt like crap, but I knew that I had found the answer to my problems. And so, you know, through high school, I drank in the weekends. We sneaked Blackberry nip out of mum's, you know, china cabinet when they were out. Um, but, you know, that that first night I behaved badly and, you know, I behaved badly pretty much every time I drank. I, um, I was very quickly having blackouts. I couldn't remember what had happened the night before. I, um, you know, I got um, stood down from school for smoking when I was in about the fifth form. My sister and I used to go to parties all the time with my older cousins and, you know, I was really loose. I had a a foul mouth and I, um, you know, was always in trouble at home for um, sneaking around or not coming home when I said I would or things like that. And, you know, it was because it was because I was drinking because I because when I took that drink, that first drink, I didn't know where it was going to end up. I'd get all excited about being allowed to go out on a Saturday night and then it would end up in disaster. You know, I'd fall over, I'd vomit, I'd, you know. Did you ever try and stop drinking? Uh, So over the years, so when I got to teacher's college, you know, it was breaks off. I didn't live at home anymore. Over the years, I had a series of relationships, live-in relationships, and um, in many of those relationships, the person that I was with was the person who was monitoring and um, regulating my drinking. You know, come on, we're going home now. You've had enough. Um, and so, you know, I, I just did geographicals. I got a new partner. I went to live in Australia. I, um, you know, was involved in relationships where there was some kind of low-level domestic violence. I am um, apparently I was ringing my parents often in the middle of the night, crying, drunk down the phone. I didn't even remember it. And so, like I didn't I didn't go to AA until I was 42 years old. At 21, I'd had a um a drink driving charge. And and you know, there's a lot of gaps in those years where I don't remember what happened, but I know that I woke up places I shouldn't have been. I was with people I shouldn't have been with. I was with people I didn't even know. I was in dangerous, risk, high risk situations. Um, you know, all sorts of things. I didn't get to AA until I was 42. So that's 30 years of drinking. Can you tell us about your first AA meeting and how members made you feel? 
Mm. I am. Um, I was working for the teachers union in Wellington, and I had this fancy job on the twelfth floor, and and I knew that there was someone who worked in the office where I worked who had been going to AA for about ten years, and I I remember that I'd talked to them about my drinking before, but um. But this particular day, I went to the office and I said, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. I thought that, you know, it was the relationship or my ex and was ganging up on me with their friends or whatever. But but actually, I think it's the drink. And she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to stop drinking. And she looked at her watch and she said, oh, OK, well, let's go to a meeting. There's one down the road at St. Mary's of the Angels in Balcott Street. And it was a lunchtime meeting. And she said, come on, we could go now. Walking down the street, I was just crapping myself. I was like, don't let them do anything to me. Don't let me sign anything. Like, like I'm not even sure about this. And she said, do you want to stop drinking? And I said, yes, it's ruining my life, my relationships, my friendships, my everything. So we walked into this lunchtime meeting out the back of this beautiful church. And um, and there were all sorts of people. You know, people said, oh, the homeless people only come for the biscuits and the good coffee because we had Makona coffee. Um, but, you know, there was people in suits. There was people who looked like they possibly lived on the streets. And we sat down the back. And from the very first moment I sat down on that chair, I started to cry. I listened to people sharing. And, um, and, and you know, I just identified. I absolutely identified. And the woman sharing the meeting, kind of, it was sort of an hour and a half long meeting and people were coming and going during their lunch hours. And I'd seen a sign on the table that said, one drinks too many and a thousand's never enough. And I knew what that meant. I knew about that that obsession, that that wanting more, you know, the minute I had a drink. And, you know, I promised my ex that I wouldn't drink more than three drinks because I thought it was the fourth drink that turned me into an arsehole. And I get to AA and find out it's the first drink. So when the woman chairing the meeting said, would you like to share? I looked around. I wanted the ground to swallow me up. I hoped she was pointing to the person behind me. And then I just took a deep breath and said, my name's Janet and I'm an alcoholic. I can still feel that same sense of relief now because it was like, because some somehow in saying that, there was a freedom in saying that, you know. I'd, I'd taken the piss about being an alcoholic all the time. I'd sit on a bar stool, swing my legs around, you know, drink neat whiskey and um, and say, yeah, 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 I'm an alcoholic, so what? What are you going to do about it? You know, like I was proud of it. But I know that that was just covering up from the screaming wreck of a person that I felt inside. Can you tell us about how you've maintained your sobriety and have you any challenges doing the program? Um. So in the beginning, I went to 63 meetings in the first 90 days because I had had a relationship breakup and was, you know, in a kind of newish maybe relationship, but it wasn't really serious then. 
And so I just went to meetings all of the time. And in in Wellington, there was this really good social network. So we'd often, like a Friday night meeting, we'd often go to a cafe. And then I'd end up talking to women about, like, trying to make sense of all that I was hearing and reading and seeing. That was really useful. So, you know, over the past 20 years, I've probably been to, on average, two meetings a week, sometimes three. I've been to meetings in, I don't know, a dozen different countries. I've traveled a bit for my work at the university and privately, and um, and I'll often go and look for the English-speaking AA meeting. And, um, and then COVID came along, lockdown, I joined um, an AA women's meeting online on Tuesday nights and still go to that meeting. So that's one of my home groups. And then because I live near Te Aumutu, I've got a home group on Sunday night. That's a face-to-face meeting. And oh, I, I, when I arrived, I there was a really fledgling women's meeting, face-to-face meeting in Hamilton. So I got involved in that. And that was my home group for about, eight or nine years, and that was amazing. Um, You know, I had a couple of sponsors at that meeting over the years. We ran an annual women's camp for a number of years. I sponsored people, women along the way. You know, in the beginning, I used to worry if my sponsees drank again, but then I realised that, you know, that sponsorship was keeping me sober and that I can't, I can't get another person sober. I can just walk alongside them and guide them. So, Janet, how would you describe your life today being sober, the changes you've had within yourself, how your life has changed? So, you know, I was doing, when I was drinking, I was doing a job that I could barely do. It was really stressful. And I had a cigarette in one hand and a drink in the other every afternoon after work at the end of my drinking. And um, and moving back to the Waikato King Country, my parents lived here. You know, I faced my mother's death. I um, I ended up um, having a civil union with my partner. Um, you know, we've been we've been together for twenty years now. He's um fourteen years older than me, and he stopped drinking a couple of years into my sobriety, just because he wanted to change his life. He doesn't say he's an alcoholic. But he's got grandchildren and children and grandchildren and great grandchildren. So I haven't had any children of my own, but they've really enriched my life. And um, and halfway through the time we've been living here, we bought a little acre of land. Not you know, it's it's on the outskirts of um, it's a wee trip to the university. But but you know, I have this job where I work and as an early childhood lecturer with women. I'm really open with my students that I'm an alcoholic because I know that I just want to be there to help them if they need me. You know, I'm the only person in my family who put my hand up saying and I'm a, I'm an alcoholic, but but you know, probably probably it, I want to be that signpost. You know, I know it's a program of attraction rather than promotion. So I you know, I'm quite open about my life and how it's changed. You know, like I wake up in my bed knowing where I am, knowing who I'm with, being where I'm meant to be all of the time. I keep my promises. I'm reliable, dependable, trustworthy, faithful, all sorts of things that I never was. 
And you know that what how I was behaving was against my kind of upbringing. My grandmother and mother would have been appalled if they'd known some of the things I'd done. And AA is described as a spiritual program, not a religious program. What does spirituality mean for you? It means that I have to work out where I'm at peace and and I have a higher power of my own understanding. I know that being in the bush and on the beach and by the water is really good for my soul. And I try and take a few minutes each day to kind of be quiet and and listen to my inner voice as well as give back to others. So connectedness, compassion, unity, and the great outdoors. Ah, yes. Thank you, Janet, for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear more from AA members sharing their experiences. Our show is every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz where you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember if you want to drink, it's your business. If you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with our serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You have been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. 